Hi there, welcome along to the official Scottish Rugby podcast with me, Joe Wilson, Scotland legend Chris Patterson and Scotland mm-hmm. women's captain Rachel Malcolm as well. Lovely to have you, lots to get through today. We're going to look back at Scotland A's win over Chile, which got their South American tour underway. We'll also look ahead to this weekend's first test against Argentina and we're going to be joined by Scotland A captain Luke Crosby as well for the inside track from camp. Chris, so yeah, Scotland getting their tour in South America underway. It was a 45-5 win over Chile. Seven tries in that victory, including a hat-trick for Damien Hoyland, a brace for George Horn. Um, overall, what did you make of the game? It was well, it was great to get rugby. Uh, a lot of the lads probably hadn't played for too long, and you could see that a little bit kind of fractured at times, but it's great to get ahead. There's only so much preparation training can give you. We know that. They're going to have to be, you know, big improvements for for facing Argentina this week. But it was funny. It was a game that I watched, and like I had the whole spectrum of different thoughts and feelings in it. Like really quite excited to get a, you know watch a game. See, they got up and running. I thought it started really well. I thought the set piece strikes were excellent. Early tries, and then I kind of went through the bit of being just a wee bit frustrated towards the end of the first half. Maybe not being as clinical uh, or as uh, you know or as efficient as, as Scotland could have been, especially in that red zone and that that 22. Now, part of that was down, well, maybe touching later, <laughs> the scramble defence of the Chileans, because it, uh, it was pretty impressive at times. So I got a wee bit frustrated watching it. And then I actually found myself cheering when Chile scored. It was, it was <laughs> just really remarkable. <laughs> I, was, I don't know why. I was like, I don't know. I was just sitting on my own watching this game at 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, actually, for just for the... the combative nature and what they brought and how they, they threw it. I think it because of the opening 20, 30 minutes, I thought we were going at about a point a minute here in the rate. And I thought this could get really not what Scotland need from this fixture. And then Chile had one or two injuries and more senior players seemed to get one or two of them pick up knocks and bumps. And I thought, well, you know, 20, 30 minutes and you've lost two or three senior players, you know, you're really up against it. It could almost become an event that was wasn't, you know, self fit for purpose in some ways. But then they just rallied and their defence was excellent. Their scramble defence, of physicality. Scotland couldn't get the momentum they wanted, they craved. And, and in turn, Scotland then had to really front up and defend against some real aggressive, let's get it, kind of agricultural physicality, which was exactly what you want in a fixture like that ahead of playing the Argentinians. And then, I mean, some of the Scotland scramble defence then became really good, stopped them scoring three times, I think, held them up over the line or denied them on the, on the goal line. And then eventually... When it did come, I actually went a wee roar for Chile because I thought, good on you. So, yeah, I went this massive kind of mix of thoughts, but definitely some positives. Definitely need to improve for this weekend um, and, and got what I think Gregor Townsend, the coaches and the players, would have wanted from it. They got a lot from it. I know we'll talk to Luke later on and get his take, but um, definitely meaningful and, uh, and, and a real physical challenge, and especially on, on the two goal lines focus on the positives and just some of the playing performances like I guess because I mentioned Damien Hoyland got a hat trick I think it was his mm. first Scotland appearance since the 2017 summer tour he's been coming back from injury we spoke before about how this is a real opportunity for players to kind of make a mark and, and make an impression do you think he did that in the game? I think he did I thought he looked hungry and hard for work it's difficult because especially when you get off to such a good start the tendency sometimes is to kind of almost expect the space to arrive really really quickly and easily for you as, as a player and it didn't actually as we spoke about Chile's defence got stronger so you had to stick to your patterns more and I thought Scotland jumped away from that a little bit got, maybe got a little bit too selfish in terms of 
trying to attack the space that wasn't there. But Demo didn't do that. His second try was a perfect example of that, of running a really good late line of George, who was, who was sharp at nine as well. And he, he covered the backfield really well. He's, I thought he did I thought he did well. Demo, it was like a, as a, as a quality performance that regardless of opposition, and to, if you look at the kind of decisions that he had to make, he got pretty much all of them right, which, uh, which shows that he was in form and picked up a hat-trick as well. And Chris, you mentioned George Horn there. We spoke to him on the podcast last week. He was, you know, full of energy, full of positivity going into these games. Did you see what you were hoping to see from him? Yeah, as always. It, it, I mean, the first thing is his strike rate. The tries that he scores, I, we say it every, every time we mention George in terms of his numbers, for, whether it's for Glasgow, whether it's for Scotland, but he just has this knack of scoring tries. But I thought he was busy. I thought he was good. I thought he held the kind of defence really well in and around the breakdown and around the ruck. His tries were really well taken. He could have had that other one. He was really honest with the TMO. said, so the referees, listen, I knocked that on. He kicked reasonably well in the first half as well when he was under a bit of pressure and kicked at the right time. So, yeah, it, just a... A kind of typical George Horn performance that they, 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 he always delivers. I thought, um, I know we'll speak to Luke Crosby later on, but I thought his ability to run hard at space was really good. And to talk about leadership in terms of what people say and how people act, but I thought there was a really good example throughout the well, all the game, really, of somebody leading by example by running really hard at space, not just at the man. And I thought his his influence early on was massive. Uh, Matt Fagerson was busy, I thought, as well. Did, did a lot on the ball. Uh, and as I said before, the, the kind of set-piece strikes were, especially early on, I thought they were they were quite cute and, and, and yeah, set, set a good platform. But definitely, kind of George, as busy as ever, Luke and uh, uh, and Matt in the, in the back row, putting in big shifts as well. So, yeah, I mean, we keep saying that the standards or the, the performance will have to improve at will for this week. That Getting games under your belt and having something to work from and, you know, looking at in terms of after the game and looking at different bits and pieces, what works, what doesn't work, impact of the bench is good again. We will have to be better this week. I'm sure there will be, but it was a, a really a kind of meaningful exercise. Yeah, because there was a, a bit of a scrappy period. You know, you alluded to the, the emotions of watching <laughs> yeah. the game, and particularly in the second half. Um, you know, and it would have been a bit worrying for Scotland because Chile really were looking dangerous. Do you think Gregor will look at that? Will he be worried? Because then going on to play a team like Argentina, they're the kind of team that will actually really punish you if you have such a scrappy period. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. It's funny, isn't it? Like, I, I don't think they'll be worried. I think they'll be quite pleased. Now, it's quite hard sometimes for fans and supporters to, to understand that. You want everything to be perfect, but the game of rugby is never going to be perfect. You're always going to be challenged and you want to be prepared for the challenges that come along. And I think if Scotland had hit 60, 70 points and not had that period of real challenging defence in that second half, I think we'd be underprepared going into this week because you can't replicate that. You can try at training, but you can't replicate that. Uh, just that raw desperation that we saw defensively. So I think Gregor will be quite pleased that, you know, you'd rather you didn't have to go through that. But the reality is in games you are, you do, you have to face it. And getting it in a, in a, a combative situation was good. So I think, they'll, I think they'll be happy that they went through it. They'll be disappointed that maybe their attack didn't allow them to, to get out that situation quicker. And what I mean by that was I just thought maybe we could have passed a bit more, we could have been a bit crisper with the pass and we could have moved the target a little bit wider, shifted the... The focus a little bit but we don't know what the what the messages were maybe the message was listen 
let's get our defence intact because what we're going to face next week, um, we need to prepare for. And and, and the whole is in that, obviously. <laughs> Chile scored, a, as I said before, I, I kind of let it a, a little roar when they did score because I thought, good on you. I don't think I'd be the only one. I, I did find myself rooting for the first time ever, I think, almost rooting for an opposition, for, just for a tiny period of the game, not the whole thing. <laughs> So um, I think it might be our Scottish blood. It makes us root for the underdog at times. Yeah. Well, it was just, it was just because they got so close so often, and yeah, you know, a couple of really excellent bits of scramble defence from Scotland. I think just because they, they looked as if they were going to be so up against it, they, they dug in and came through them. Now, the other concern for Chile, not that it's a massive concern for us, but they did pick up a few injuries, and they've got this back to back, head to head with uh, with home and away with the USA to, to look into. So. For all they would have gained from that game, they've probably picked up one or two knocks, whereas I don't think we picked up any significant knocks. I might be wrong there, I don't know. But having the exposure to that frustration in the game, that frustrating period in the game, as a spectator looking at, actually the positives are you dealt with it, we put up with it, and we came away reasonably unscathed with, with a win. And scoring the two tries late on was, was important, I think. Uh, and it's all steam ahead for the first test then against Argentina on Saturday, live on Sky Sports as well. How big a step up will Argentina be then from Well, huge, huge step up. And it's a full test match as well. Don't forget, last week was an an e-fixture. So we'll we'll see some changes in the the national team. Um, But it's a step up. We keep saying it two or three weeks ago when we spoke to Gregor and we said it last week. There's an element of the unknown about Argentina for one of the, the top nations, you know, the one place below us in the world rankings. But they've got a, not a new coach, Michael Checa. Everybody knows Michael Checa. He's coached Wallabies, he's coached in Ireland, he's coached in France, he's coached against Scottish teams really for decades in terms of his, his time with the, with Leinster and, and then internationally as well, coaching Japan. So he, you know him, but you, there is an unknown quantity a wee bit about how he'll coach Argentina. Maybe we can look at some of the the returning kind of experienced players coming into the Argentinian side that gives us a, an idea of how they'll play. So, yeah, difficult to know how they're going to play, but it's not difficult to know what to expect. They'll be hugely physical. They'll be hugely passionate. We've got knowledge from inside the camp as well. We, you know, players that play at Edmund and Glasgow, obviously, and the qualities they have. So, big, big increase will be needed this week. It'll be intense. They'll be the kind of element that maybe gets underplayed a little bit now that used to be a huge factor in Argentina was the how uh, how vocal the support was and how difficult and a wee venue it was to play in. So that won't, hopefully won't be lost in the Scottish players as well. They'll know the the kind of hostile nature that, that's coming at them. But yeah, improvements will... There will be improvements, but we'll have to improve on, on last week. It'll be a big, big step up. Yeah, I'm keen to get a bit of an insight into coming up against players that, that you play against perhaps at a club level and then coming up against them at an international level. I'm not sure how much it happened to you in your playing yeah. career, but what is that like when you're going it's from strange. kind of a teammate with someone or playing against someone in the domestic? It's strange. It is strange. It's uh, I mean, it's similar, I suppose, playing the, you know, the 1872 Cup game in Edinburgh and Glasgow game and then playing alongside each other internationally it's a similar thing but I found I mean it did happen to me against Argentina as well Francisco Leonelli we played at, well, we played at Edinburgh and Glasgow I remember playing against for Argentina and Argentinians are so proud of their nation that that was chalk and cheese where there's other times you've played alongside English players in your club and played against them or Welsh players and played against them there was almost like not a jovial nature to it but you could kind of have a wink and a smile and you knew what was going on but Argentinians, it was it's uh, it was it was proper black and white. 
in terms of you know they're such lovely people, such committed to you and, and your team. But my God, they'll uh, they won't miss you when you when you play against them. So I expect that this weekend. But depends on the individual. Some players, it was a laugh, a joke, and a smile, and they rub your face in the mud sort of thing. Others would treat you as if they'd never met you in your life before. Uh, even when you're shaking hands at the end, you're like, Man, we're training together on Tuesday. What, what are you on about? But this kind of game face comes on. So um, it'll be interesting. But I, I definitely, my experience of playing with and against the same players of an Argentinian nature is, yeah, they'll, uh, they won't be friendly, put it that way. Um, what do you want to see from Scotland over the next three <laughs> matches I mean are you hopeful for I guess we're all hopeful of three wins out of three but realistically what do you think is the target I think I think finding a performance that works I think we have to you know the realistic we have to win some of these tests we got when you go in and win them all but winning three games in three consecutive weekends at international rugby away from home is a big ask it's you know it's doable absolutely but it's um that that away from home mentality is difficult yes there's injuries as well to add into that and there's players rested but what I want to see I would like to see a a real identity you know I think the Six Nations had some some excellent bits had some disappointing bits in comparison to previous Six Nations maybe the last two or three years maybe didn't have that quite that clear identity and maybe rugby is a wee bit like that at the moment in terms of oppositions are so clever and so analytical that everybody kind of knows what everybody else is going to do to some extent so I would like to see a real cohesion and attack especially uh, that threatens the defence every time they have the ball in hand and I think that's our identity, I think that's how Scotland play their best, um, it's not really risk taken but it's almost a, an unknown quantity for the defence you face which I may be looking for something that's not possible because defences seem to know exactly what's going to happen exactly every time the opposition have the ball. But I would like to see a scramble Argentine defence really struggling to cope with where we're attacking, how we're attacking, how sharp they are, how high level the execution of skill is. And if you do that, I think it, it, it leaves a platform for, for hopefully some victories. You mentioned we are going to be speaking to Luke Crosby. Shortly we'll get his kind of inside info, we'll try and eke some out of him anyway uh, to preview this weekend's game even more. Um, but should we move on to talk about Scotland's under-20s? Because they've been in action. They lost to Wales in the under-20 Six Nations Summer Series. Wales winning that one 45-15. It actually means it's 11 straight defeats at this level for Scotland. How disappointing was that result for them? And, and how kind of disappointing is this streak that they're on? Yeah, it's, it's it's hugely disappointing. It's um, I mean, we touched on it last week in, in reflection. I thought maybe was I too downbeat in terms of trying to underline how big a challenge it is for under twenties players, who a lot of the players haven't played a huge amount of rugby over the last couple of years. I know that you could have, apply that to the opposition teams as well, but we don't have a lot of players who've played, you know, competitive professional rugby in our under twenties. Other nations do, <clears throat> and a lot of the under twenties probably have had a not even a handful of international experience if you think about the, the pandemic for the last couple of years some of these players would be kind of in their under 18 year or under 17 year and then not played any representative rugby and then two years later they're you know they're involved in, in, in an under 20s level against players who we said last week were playing against England for the Barbarians or were playing in the top 14 final or were playing premiership finals and, and professional level you know across the, the URC so disappointing <clears throat> 
I think what will be the, the biggest disappointment is for all that, that's some context, it's not an excuse, but I thought there was too many tries that were conceded softly at the weekend and it'll really irk Kenny Murray. I know Kenny well and takes pride in the defence and it's just some of them were, 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 were too soft in terms of maybe just not being switched on defensively in terms of that cognitive decision-making or your placement or your Kenny's sense of where the trouble's going to come from which comes from not playing a huge amount or having a huge amount of experience and others where they just lost the fight and contact two or three times back to back and conceded a soft try and those ones will be the ones that really hurt Kenny. So really disappointing, The um, probably more so disappointing because Scotland under 20 sh- should really have beaten Wales in the Six Nations under 20s and there wasn't a lot in it. It was one or two poor exits close to their own line that allowed Wales to score and it was the, it was the, the biggest frustration really of the Six Nations series was not a loss to Wales. So if that was a form between the two teams going into that, it's really disappointing to lose seven tries to three. But difficult, maybe a difficult couple of weeks uh, for under 20s. They play Italy this uh, on Thursday. Italy beat them on the same field, actually, beat them 27-13 in the Six Nations. So, And that was a really disappointing performance from, from the under 20s point of view that night. So that to galvanise them and inspire them and the, the game against Wales to, to pull some... Uh, some fire from to, to try and get a victory against Italy. Yeah, so Italy on Thursday, it's then Georgia uh, on Wednesday the 6th. They then have another cross-pool match on Tuesday the 12th of July. I mean, they <clears throat> need to be galvanised by that defeat to move yeah. forward. <clears throat> when you look at Italy, when you look at Georgia as opponents, can they get a win against either of those? <clears throat> I think you have to set a standard, yes, say yes. Uh, Italy are, are particularly strong at under-20s of the last two or three years, they have been. Um, Italy beat Georgia 36-19, I think, at the weekend. So that's the next two, as you say, the next two opponents for Scotland in their 20s. But yeah, I mean, we have to be targeting victories. The other nature of this this competition is the games come thick and fast. It's like six days or five, six days apart, game on game on game. The squads can be up to 26 players or, or 26 players because you have to share the workload. So there will be changes, there will be um, different starting players in different starting positions. I thought the, the the bench actually made quite a good impact on Saturday. I thought that was that was one of the positives, as well as Kenny Ollie Leatherbader is always really fronting up in the back row. Um, the hooker scored in three tries. Gabe Jones, Paddy Harrison playing well off the bench. And we mentioned the younger players who maybe hadn't played a lot of rugby. Two of them were the uh, Liam McConnell in the back row and Kerr Johnson, who who, were, who who did really well in terms of being 18-year-old and first real exposure to under-20 rugby. So you've got to target victors. I think the, the starting point is the the fight not to concede soft tries. I think there's there's enough um, ability in there to score tries, you know, within broken field play or even from the set pieces, the sale three from from line out. So the focus should be how hard you're prepared to fight. Difficult conditions, hot, obviously playing in the evening in, in Italy against Italy. So let's hope things go better on Thursday. We've only worked together for a few weeks now, but you know I love my weather reports and getting getting (laughs) the kind of scoop on what it's going to be like. We were talking to the guys about what it's going to be like in Argentina, but I think it was Mm -hmm. 33 degrees Mm -hmm. in Treviso. I mean, you've obviously played in conditions like that. How tough is it? It it, is. Imagine being on your summer holidays, lying on the beach or a sun lounger, or the last thing you want to do is get up and run about. Now, that's kind of the, the temperature and the heat that the, the lads are playing. And I don't forget, and it sounds weird, but you have to warm up in that, then you have to play the game. And then, so the, the period out in the, the blazing heat is long. I mean, there's coping mechanisms. And Rachel's the, the person who asked for this. She, she did a dissertation on it on her, for her doctorate on, on keeping cool, I think. Yeah, in terms of ice towels, in terms of hydration, all the little bits are, 
preparation and, and things you can do to mitigate. But at the end of the day, you're playing international rugby in the baking heat that you usually sunbathe in at this time of year. It's hard. Can he forces you sometimes to make poor decisions if you're not prepared for it or you scramble your brain a little bit at times and so you you have to you have to prepare for it but you have to communicate through it and mitigate it as best you can but it's hard it is hard especially for players who haven't played a lot and certainly haven't played a lot international rugby now it's the same for both teams I get it but it definitely has an effect. Uh, we're going to talk to Rachel shortly. <laughs> we'll speak to her about the Scotland Women Sevens who were in action this weekend. Uh, good to get your take on it as well, though, Chris. They were playing in the uh, Women's Sevens <laughs> Championship Series in Lisbon. Uh, they made it to the final where they were beaten by Poland. It was a really close yeah. run thing in the end. I think there was actually a little bit of controversy at the end as well when Scotland thought that perhaps the game was over, kicked the ball <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, not, not ideal. But yeah, Poland uh, winning that one. But a good show from Scotland. How important are tournaments like this? Really important, and you know, winning all the games up to the final, narrow losing the final, frustrate Scott and the and the team because you know the, the, can overcome a, a few difficult fixtures, one or two, you know, more simple fixtures. But that time together is really important for them. The a lot of the players who are playing will be involved in the World Cup and in the, the kind of 15s World Cup, so it's more international experience and exposure, albeit in sevens. But there's a good core group crop of players that I think. You know, would would expect to win things, and now that you know that is that's something maybe we've not been able to say before or too often before in the recent past. But <clears throat> I think there's now an expectancy from themselves that we can go and deliver and, and win and win trophies. And they got so close last weekend, but uh, another opportunity this weekend, and actually ironically in Poland um, for for the team. But good individuals playing well, scoring tries, but yeah, just stumbling at the final hurdle on, on Sunday. How closely linked are all the squads? Because I get the impression that there is kind of a real one-team mentality when it comes to Scotland rugby in terms of the men's, the women, the senior squads, the age group levels, the sevens. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I think they, um, especially the, the link between the, the women's sevens and the women's fifteens is, is really close because there's such a crossover of players. If you think at the weekend, just Lisa Thompson, Meryl Smith, Rona Lloyd, Shona Campbell, uh, Rachel McLaughlin, so many of them playing who played in the recent succession and more. That's just just a, just a selection. <clears throat> so they're really closely aligned. And there is, there, there, is a, there is a close link. I mean, the easy thing to say, and you hear it so often, is everybody should be doing the same thing, you know, from the national team to the 20s. And that that's... I think I agree with to a certain extent, but I think for a development level, whether it's 18s and under 20s or you know future squads or seven squads uh, and the women, I, I think you almost still have to prepare the player to be able to adapt for any situation. I think if we get blindly lost in just copying what the, the senior men's team or the senior women's team are doing, by the time a player at 15, 16 gets there, the landscape of rugby's changed. You don't really expect them to if they do make that professional international leap in five, six years' time for the game to be exactly the same. So there still has to be, there has to be a correlation in terms of calls and how the, the team would, would like to play, but there still has to be a, an element of development and coaching and foresight and for future planning to prepare the players at a young age now who might play international rugby later on. So the, the, there's real close links, but I can't get away from the fact that the game will change, so you have to be ahead of it in, in terms of what you're working on what you want to execute, where you think the games are going. The laws change every couple of years as well. So I can never lose 
uh, kind of focus on the development nature of our, of our young squads. We'll always have to keep them ahead of the game. Right, well, Rachel Malcolm joins us now. Rachel, really good to talk to you. And we're going to start by just reflecting on something that Chris and I have been talking about in Scotland, Women's Sevens. They were in action uh, this weekend in the Rugby Women's Sevens Championship Series in Lisbon. Uh, it was a bit of heartbreak at the end, although they did do really well, getting some brilliant results, uh, getting to the final, but then beaten by Poland. You were watching it, Rachel, you managed to catch up with it. What was your take on it? Yeah, I was saying earlier there was a, a group of us in a services on our, our way up to Scotland that, that watched the game together. And yeah, it was it was heartbreaking because they were so dominant. You know, they looked like the, the better team throughout the whole game and the whole tournament for that matter. You know, they played mm-hmm. against some pretty top teams um, in terms of sevens teams beating Ireland who have been probably the on-form sevens team um, in Europe this this year. So they they were outstanding from start to finish the whole tournament and the way they carried themselves, the way they played. Um, and to lose at the death, like it would have, I think, been the first time they would have won. But I actually think it was the first silver they've won in rugby Europe. So it was it was heartbreaking, but they they were outstanding and they've got another, another chance this weekend out in Krakow. So uh, I've spoken to quite a few of them and they're all buzzing to get going again. And I guess, the kind of manner of defeat that can almost galvanize them uh, or will gal- galvanize them going into Krakow this weekend. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, we've talked about it a lot, like those kind of moments, haven't we, Mossy, in terms of. How, too often, too yeah, often. Yeah, too often. Like, you know, it's just so, so Scottish. Like you either win uh-huh. like by a huge margin or you lose like in the most spectacular way. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you have to be on the, the losing one. And it's, it's about how you respond to it and turn it, try to turn it into positive. And we've talked a lot about like timeframes and stuff before. And obviously with a real short turnaround before their next tournament, it's about turning that into positive. And the girls have been emotional and, and I know they were after the game, but it's about, you know, taking the positives from the tournament. They've achieved something they've never done before. They've beaten teams who on paper should beat them, but they, they played them off the park. So there's so much they can build from that and use that emotion from that heartbreak and just go out and, and put in an absolute brilliant performance next week. That's the crucial thing, being able to action right away. Like having yeah. a tournament the next game week's perfect. Yeah, it's what you want, isn't it? It's what you like you just need, just to, and, and it'll take a 10 seconds of the first game and, and the next tournament to put out your system, but you need to go and get into battle again as soon as possible Absolutely. Um, when, when these things happen. So it is good that, and as you say, Rachel, the form, we touched on it earlier, the form, the tournament was excellent. Composure, finishing, strength, like unit. I mean, it was there were so many good elements yeah. um, that it makes it worse the way it finished, if that's yeah. possible. But getting back in the uh, being back at a tournament rugby this weekend is you're, you're bang on. That's the that's the key. Right, it's 100 days until the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. Rachel, the countdown well and truly on. I'm just wondering, have you got a calendar? Are you kind of crossing off the day? <laughs> Not yet, but I think I'm going to have to start to because training's really taking its toll at the minute. So I need <laughs> I need something to to push me through. Uh, I don't no. I don't know if you're delighted at hearing that start or horrified. Rachel. I think getting into I know I think getting into that hundred to go is is a, a bit of a milestone. But no, I like oh it's so exciting. Um, and I do think it's it's probably going to fly by as well, which is both scary and exciting. But yeah, I think it's actually, yeah, 100 days to the tournament starts. And I think we play Wales on, on that opening day as well. So yeah, it's, it's coming. But we are super excited, training very hard as well at the minute. So yeah, very, very much looking forward to it. 
because yeah, I actually remember speaking to you guys at Murrayfield during yeah. the Six Nations when you literally just touched down from Dubai. I think you literally landed at the airport, were put on a bus, then chucked on at half time during the France game for me to talk to you to kind of, yeah. um, you know, capture that excitement. And is excitement the kind of overriding feeling still? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think there's a couple of emotions now. I think like back then it all was very exciting and a wee bit surreal because, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's been a big journey to get to this point. It's 12 years since Scotland women have been in a World Cup. And so at that point, it was it was excitement, whereas now we're kind of building, I don't know, a little bit more kind of excitement around what we actually can achieve. So it's not just the excitement of being there and turning up now that we're actually starting to talk about, you know, what we could actually achieve and, and how far we can push ourselves. And as well, like we've we've been kind of full time as a squad, this last little block and seeing how much better we can get it's it's now talking about okay like it's all good and well and we were all super excited that we actually managed to get there but now what can we do with that and and that's the bit that's that's really cool and I think like driving a lot of the energy at training at the minute is just like that excitement of like how how can we take this opportunity and make it the best thing possible yeah and of course you will be focusing on your opponent's at the World Cup, but exciting news today in that two warm-up games have been announced. You're going to be taking on the USA and then Spain. I think the USA is Saturday the 27th of August. Spain will be two weeks later on the Sunday, the 11th of September. Um, USA, a little bit of an unknown. What do you expect from these two games? Yeah, so USA is a team we haven't traditionally ever played against, not in my time that... um, I don't think any of the girls actually in fact in our squad have ever played USA they're a very physical team there's a lot of the girls play down south in the Premier 15 so I play with quite a few USA players and I know there's a lot of them at Exeter and various other teams so all of us are quite familiar with a lot of the girls having actually not necessarily played them as a team um they're a very athletic team like most American sports teams are so so they they're very kind of fit and physical team and they've played quite a lot of rugby recently as well so they played out in the pack four competition that's just finished out in New Zealand and they were unlucky in in all of the games that they played but they they showed real improvements across the competition so it'll be a tough game and exactly what we want you know ahead of going into the World Cup and they are a team on the up as well so it'll be a good time to get them. Have have the USA qualified for the World Cup? Yes they have yeah yeah Yeah, they they qualified outright off of their positioning potentially at the last one. Right. I don't think they've had to go through any qualification process. Yeah. Uh, and then and Spain, Spain, you know well, don't yeah. you? Yes. <laughs> Spain we know, Spain we, yeah, Spain we know too well at times. We <laughs> we have played them a lot. Um, they obviously haven't qualified um, for the World Cup and we are obviously the reason for that as well. So I'm sure there'll be a fair bit of passion on their side in terms of wanting to, to get one back on us, which is, again, good for us to have, you know, a team like that competing against us. But they're, they're a really good team. They're a slightly smaller team, so probably more similar to us than maybe USA in terms of they've got a really kind of fit, agile pack as well as uh, pretty dynamic backs. Uh, they have recently lost Patricia Garcia, who's just retired, who's been kind of absolutely pivotal to, to the way they've played in the last kind of 10 years. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how they manage without her because she really is everything for them in terms of their attack. So... Um, yeah, but just two brilliant opportunities to, you know, get back out there in a Scotland shirt uh, with the girls and, and get as prepared as we possibly can for the World Cup. How important are these warm up games in that preparation? I think they're massive, particularly because of where the World Cup is coming in like our calendar. You know, we're not going to be off the back of very much match rugby other than what we do within our camps. 
So I think it's, it's absolutely crucial to get some match fitness um, ahead of going to, to New Zealand. And, you know, it's, it's always a wee bit scary playing games that close to a big tournament. Like the, the fear of injury is, is always real, but it's so important at the same time, like to, to get that preparation that, you know, you can do all the preseason in the world and, and all the internal hit outs, but there really is nothing like playing a test match. Um, so it's brilliant to have two opportunities and it's, it's brilliant to have two opportunities at home as well. You know, we obviously played at the Dam Health against England in the, in the Six Nations. And honestly, it was one of the best rugby experiences I've had. The crowd were unbelievable. And I remember it kick off them, like the, in the countdown to kick off the whole crowd, just chanting Loch Lomond. And like, I was quite emotional to be fair, just before we started, because it really was um, such a cool experience. So we're we're all really excited to get back there and, and get back in front of our fans before we head off. Yeah, ticket details will be announced shortly. So yeah, just make sure you keep across scottishrugby.org for all the info on that. Um, Rachel, just kind of generally about women's sport, it does feel like there is a real buzz at the moment. I mean, down here, working in London, the women's Euros and the footballing world is about to get underway. And it just feels like there's some kind of momentum and, and a real, I'll use that word again, buzz about it with more people wanting to come and watch it, more girls wanting to get involved. Do you feel that in the world of rugby as well? A hundred percent. It's such an exciting time to be in the position that, that we're in at the minute. You know, even like I, I mentioned just there, like playing at the Dam Health, like the number of young girls, like desperate to to beat the game and you know waiting for us to walk out onto the pitch like creating a tunnel for us of all these young girls like so excited just to watch women play sport and you know a massive part of what inspires us and what drives us is is inspiring that next generation and giving them role models and hopefully providing you know pushing the game on to provide them with more opportunities and yeah there's such a buzz around it both at kind of the grassroots level but also at, at our end of the spectrum as well in terms of the support that we're getting. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it is really cool and I hope it keeps going. I think, you know, I'm very passionate at, at pushing everything as much as I can, probably a little too far at times, but I, myself and, and the girls I play with, we, we just want to keep pushing for more so, you know, we can keep that buzz going and, and get as many girls and, and women involved in, in rugby as we can. And, recent strategy that's obviously been announced by the SRU is fundamental to that um, and I think it's a brilliant statement from them and a statement of intent that you know they're passionate about about that buzz and, and pushing it forward as well in the next few years. And Holly Davidson as well the weekend last weekend oh, yeah. Holly refing for the men's international fixture uh, first woman ever to do so so as you know uh, I didn't see the game but I saw you know the views or performance it's top notch as always and I just yeah. love the fact that she's always got that kind of smile, unflustered smile on her face. Yeah, so. like little smirk, hasn't she? <laughs> um, I actually spoke to her in the week. She was down at, um, we were doing some some media stuff at Murrayfield and mm. she was, she was a little bit nervous to be was fair. She? But she, yeah, but then I said, I, but just, I think, you know, like it is a massive deal, but yeah. she just takes everything in her stride. You know, she's such an incredible role model in, in so many different ways, but in particular, the way she is so unfazed by, you know, all these opportunities. You know, she she, she quite often refers to the fact that she's not really been in refereeing as, as long as some people, <clears> but she's had some, like, she's kind of been fast-tracked to an extent, but completely through how well she's done. Mm. She's, you know, every stage that she's been put on and every step up that she's had, she's performed and been outstanding and like it's so well deserved and I hope lots more to come from that in the future as well. 
Luke Crosby, captain Scotland A in their win against Chile at the weekend there. And I'm very pleased to say that Luke joins us now. Luke, good to see you. Um, just tell us, first of all, how are you and where are you? Because obviously you were playing in Santiago, but where are you now? So we just flew over to Argentina now. So flew over yesterday, travelled obviously after the game. So yeah, loving it. It's great over here. Just settling in the hotel and getting used to the, the training facilities as well. So it's great. How have you guys been reflecting on that win over Chile? Because, I mean, it was obviously a good win, seven tries, but a little bit scrappy at times, I think, was kind of a fair assessment. Yeah, it was a great game for us. There's a lot of positives we took from the game and a lot of learnings and stuff that we can definitely work on uh, throughout the tour. But it was just great to see boys getting their first opportunities and... Uh, just grateful, obviously, for Maro in that game. So, overall, it was a great experience, but there's definitely stuff we want to work on to take on to the Argentina test. In terms of, obviously, talking about people getting opportunities, how, kind of, I guess, big an honour and how was the experience of, obviously, captaining at the weekend? Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Uh, obviously, when Gregor told me, I was just a bit like, oh, this is obviously a great opportunity for me. I just need to kind of grab it with both hands and dive into it. Obviously, as a kind of captain role, you just need to dive dive into it and put your, your full your full self on the line where that's kind of stepping up, making uh, decisions and just and being confident in that role. So, but no, nah, it was great. It's a great experience for me. And obviously my family stuff seen it as well. Uh, they were buzzing as well. So it was a, a great part of my career. I thought you I thought you did really well, Luke. I thought you in terms of personal performance was excellent but in terms of how you led we said earlier on we had a, a crack a good chat about the game and I thought what was really good was your decision making in terms of attack and how you, the lines you run in attack and the fact that you actually in that first half especially run a wee bit wider a bit more spaces between the defenders and just set a little platform for, for everybody else to place a well off it would you um, was that were you conscious that you wanted to kind of get a wee bit wider and move that that kind of chilling pack around a little bit and will it be the same this weekend in Argentina? Yeah, I think definitely we knew that the Chile pack are a really passionate physical pack so I think like the strength was obviously with Scotland the speed of ball that we can play at that was a kind of mismatch that uh, I wanted to kind of focus on kind of mm -hmm. playing with that early on to break them down and obviously get those uh, dividends later later on in the game if it starts opening up a bit and in terms of Argentina yeah, it's definitely the same, just a really physical pack. Defensively, they want to kind of shoot out the line, put those attacking players under pressure. So it's the same kind of stuff, just being patient, uh, sticking to the systems we have in place and our strikes and in our uh, phase play to make sure that we can uh, cope with, with their defensive strategies. So, Just just uh, just before we bounce on to Argentina, I just want to ask Chelsea's scramble defence, how good was it at the, the goal line defence? <laughs> They're a tough nut to crack. Not so much in the first, 20 or 30 minutes, but there was a period where you're like, I actually said earlier on to, to Joe, I was like, I actually let a wee cheer when they scored because I, I was that proud of how brave they were. But got, some of the scrambled defence was pretty special, uh, eh? I know, they stuck in the fight, that's it. With how passionate they are, they never let us off the hook. There was nothing that we got easy. Mm -hmm. uh, the tries and the points that we got, we had to work really hard. The scrum stuff that we got, we had to be right on it. They were putting scrum was us good. Scrum was good. Yeah, putting us under pressure the whole time. So, yeah, it's just credit to them for staying in the fight and it's just putting us under the pump throughout the whole game. So it is Argentina next. Uh, the team has been released. Uh, how 
good does it feel to see your name on that team sheet? Luke, you'll be getting your first full start for Scotland because, of course, you came off the bench against Tonga for your first cap. But, yeah, how do you feel? No, great. Just like, really, it's hard to put into words for me coming right through the system at kind of Edinburgh Academy and then wanting to get in the Edinburgh squad and then getting in that stuff. And then, obviously, here, it's just, yeah, it's, it's the next level for me, especially, again, my family see me coming right through. but. I'm just really excited and I'm I'm really looking forward to the opportunity just to kind of test myself at the highest level and playing with a great bunch as well, like the teammates around. So really enjoy playing with them as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be great. You mentioned that journey. I remember doing kind of age grade stuff through the years of the last kind of decade or so, when you're 16s and 18s and very similar player to how you are now in terms of how you played and the commitment you brought. But it, it was Livingston that was your club, wasn't it? We came through yeah. before the end of the days, isn't it? I've, uh, well, you have mates back there getting in touch, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's great. I need to go back down there and uh, help out. Uh, we've got some time off after this, but I started at Livingston and through the ranks at Curry Rugby Club as well. Mm-hmm. So they're the two main clubs that I kind of went through. So kind of it's good for me looking back, seeing the kind of journey as well. It makes you kind of more grateful for these opportunities when you get them. What does, obviously, the next couple of days in terms of prep towards the game look like for you guys? Yeah, so we've had a decent training day today and then tomorrow we've got training day and then we've got to catch a flight and then we've got the team running stuff. So it's just getting everything in place, all the kind of physical stuff we've done, obviously. It's a long season for most boys and the amount of hard work we've done at the Orium training camp before we flew out to Chile. And then we've had decent training in Chile, so just getting all the strategies in place and making sure the boys are ticked over, uh, ready to put on a, a good performance at the weekend. Have you got Boff's number on the phone on him to find out what the Argentinians are up to? <laughs> I'm sure he knows the team, but I'm sure he knows a good, a good few places for the nights out and that as well. So <laughs> Local knowledge, yeah. I was talking to Chris earlier about that. What is it like when you come up against someone that you're so used to playing alongside? It's weird. It's funny after the game because you just can have a laugh. But obviously, these type of games, um, everyone's so passionate playing for their country. You don't really think about it. You're just kind of uh, focusing on your job, like the task in hand. But after, it's, it's quite funny. Uh, probably the same with the kind of Glasgow-Edinburgh stuff. When you play each other, the Derby games are really big and you're going at each other. But as soon as you come into camp, everyone's just like getting on each other, having a coffee or after the game, you're... Uh, sharing a beer together and catching up so it's a, I think it's the same kind of same kind of vibe as that What's been the main message from Gregor then going into this first of these three tests? It's just the same just the energy and the kind of hustle that we show like playing for every single moment that's, that's important for us and just performing that how we know we can perform we've got a special group here everyone's so talented so it's just being able to put those performances out in the field and and show like in the nation, the fans, and obviously within our group that we can perform in that this kind of level in the bigger game. So we're all looking forward to it. Is there any kind of key areas off the back of obviously coming back in that that you're focusing on to improve on? Obviously, that what you touched on there is kind of I guess what your DNA is and and what you guys kind of see as your your biggest strength. What are the kind of key areas I guess have been the focus in terms of improving and pushing on? From the Chile game, obviously, there's certain aspects of that that kind of went uh, quite scrappy and stuff. So 
just the main focus from us, like focusing on ourselves, the stuff we've implemented in training, the kind of strategies we have, we just need to stick to those systems when you're under pressure, you're under stress, and if the other team's playing in a certain way, it's not to go away and fall into the trap of playing kind of their game that they want. Uh, it's just important to kind of stick to how Scotland want to play and how that's how we're going to get the results against these kind of physical sides. So just the speed of ball, getting to those breakdowns and then that balance of game as well will put them under pressure. So we're just looking forward to implementing that at the weekend. And Chris knows what my next question is going to be because I'm a bit obsessed with the weather and the conditions. Do you know what the, the temperature is going to be like? What is it compared to Santiago? <laughs> I'm not too sure. It's not the warmest, to be fair, because it's still winter, but I don't mind that. It's probably burning anyway, but uh, it's all right. It's, it's not too warm. It's not too cold. It's, that's about as much weather, weather guidance. You know? <laughs> not getting much, Joe. Uh, there's no meteorologist there. I know. <laughs> Have you played against Argentina before? Any age grade stuff for sevens? No. Or... No. no. I never played the, the national team. I just wasn't sure with 20s World Cups and stuff like that. They, they are a, a real combative team especially in and around the breakdown an area that you know you know well and there'll be a good balance for you and obviously play with Magnus club level uh, the whole time and, and Matty Fagerson who I thought played really well last week as well in terms of being busy looking to carry but that, that back row unit is often a, an area against a team like Argentina that, that is really, really important you'll be you'll be looking to kind of make an impact in and around that, that breakdown area as always with a couple of good mates alongside you. Yeah, definitely. I think it's important because they're a physical pack, but kind of slowing that ball up is what we need defensively to kind of get in the systems. And there's obviously a key responsibility in attack-wise to kind of get the ball in that front fruit in terms of the back row, kind of punching through those those carries uh, to make sure we're breaking the line. We know they kind of fly up in defence, so it's the kind of use of kind of being patient, seeing in system. If there's a few dog legs that open up, we can uh, target that, but now there's a responsibility for us, but we're looking forward to the challenge, definitely. Yeah, go well. Brilliant stuff. Luke, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck uh, at the weekend as well. Everyone will be cheering you on from home because the game is live on Sky Sports Action at 7.30pm kickoff at 10 past 8. Thank you, Luke. Perfect. Thanks very much, guys. Good luck, Luke. Yeah, really good to speak to Luke Crosby there, getting his first full start for Scotland. Uh, as I mentioned, he did come off the bench for his first cap against Tonga. And Chris, you said you were impressed with what you saw from yeah. Luke against Chile. How key will he be for this side against Argentina? Yeah, he's a, I mean, even just that chat we have there, he's such a, a likeable, straight up and down guy, uh, hard working, hard, hard player. Uh, he really is, but he, he has that kind of smirk you quite often see about him as well. <laughs> You just never that, know. Is that on the pitch as well? Yeah, you just never yeah. quite know what he's thinking. I like that. There's a there's a mysterious edge to him, but there's nothing mysterious in terms of what he delivers. I mean, he, he's uh, he's a great player. I, I thought he played really well last week. I said before the, the angles he ran, the space he ran at, how he led by example um, with the ball in hand. And I do. I, I remember coming through the age grade stuff when we were doing skills with the under sixteens and eighteens, and it's not. This isn't derogatory in any way, shape or form. He'll probably smile at this himself, but could he could have been seen as an unfashionable player that could have been lost because there'd be either bigger players or more flamboyant players doing stuff, but he just did everything right, really hard, really well, great decisions. And he just knew that without doing anything standout, he was a standout performer, like at every level, every age grade. Um, 
somebody that you just knew was going to you know come to the top because of his his consistency and his his application really. Um, and we saw that last weekend. We'll see that this weekend. Undoubtedly, he just always he just always performs. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking back to one of, one of his early games for, for Edinburgh. I remember him. Uh, it was almost like a scuffle or a fight broke out, and he just kind of had this smirk on his face and pinged somebody where he didn't really want to be pinged as he walked away. And <laughs> just, it was like, it was just, was like, don't even mess with me. It was that. It was, there wasn't, wasn't, wasn't anything flash. It was just like, stop it. Uh, so he's got a real hard edge to him, but he's, uh, yeah, he'll lead by example. Up front, uh, Matty Fearson as well. We thought played pretty well at the weekend with uh, with, with his involvement early on. But I suppose Rach, looking at the team, a couple of names to jump out for me in the back line: Rory Hutchinson at fullback, Mark Bennett at thirteen. Both attack-minded players, excellent defensively as well, but real attack-minded players. But if Flair second receiver options, if Blair's at ten, Rory Hutchinson can come at first receiver as well and split field. Mm-hmm. We're playing so well for Northampton. He's been There's outstanding a, this yeah, season. Yeah, the whole season. Um, yeah. Has played a lot of fullback as well through his career, as well as 10. So he's, he can yeah. fit in anywhere, playing mainly kind of 12. Um, yeah, I was going to say he's playing the yeah, centres. Good to see that attack and edge. Um, I think as well, like that pairing. So like Rory Hutchinson and, and Mark paired with the way that Blair's been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, like you say, like that real ambition to play with ball in hand as well as kicking and stuff like that is it's pretty it, you know it's got a lot of potential to be pretty exciting and it's probably a combination well it's a combination that we've never seen so yeah what's funny as well because Luke said two or three times there that Argentina fly into line they'll send a shooter up defensively so you you want as many players that can take that that read that opportunity play. as possible yeah, um, and run at the space that the dog leg defender creates uh, or have ball players that can distribute the ball to somebody pretty quickly and, and you're right I think with Blair and, and Mark Sam Johnson's distribution as well Darcy and Duhan and the gaps that they can find Hatch complements that really well so yeah. um, if they get possession and quality possession and the speed of possession that Luke's talking about then hopefully we'll see some some consistency Joe asked earlier what we'd like to see really from Scotland and it was that identity that attack and identity and consistency so it's uh, it's um, a very big ask I mean, it's a quality side but yeah um, We'll look forward to look forward to seeing it pans out. Argentina against Scotland. It's live on Sky Sports. Eight ten kickoff on Saturday, and good luck to them.